Something you might know about me, you might not, but you'll know now, is that I love puzzles of all stripes. This annoys Alicia to no end. But I love crossword puzzles. I have a subscription service that sends me a uh, crossword puzzle every Wednesday in my email, and I do it on my iPad like with a pencil. It's uh, an addiction. Uh, I love logic puzzles and jigsaw puzzles. In high school, I was known as the puzzle guy because I kept Sudoku puzzles with me everywhere I went and did them when my schoolwork was done, or rather when I was bored with the lecture uh, because that was a lot more often. Uh, I love the feeling of working through something and having these little victories that end in this huge moment of being complete, of having something done. Uh, at work, in our office, we have a table outside of our cubes that has a jigsaw puzzle on it at all times uh, so that whoever gets there first and is waiting for the coffee to get done because you know you can't start working until you have a cup of coffee, that person can work on that jigsaw puzzle until then or on Fridays uh, after everything's done for the week, you'll see most of our department huddled around this jigsaw puzzle. Uh, and it's normally we, we finish them pretty quickly. We've gone. Th there was a point where this table, which reached from about here to about Easton, was just covered with 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 puzzles. We recently had to clear them all off uh, because there was no room for any more. Uh, and so normally we finish them pretty quickly. But uh, the one that is currently on there has been on the table since October. That's a while. Um, it is a uh, mosaic picture of Darth Vader from Star Wars. Uh, and the mosaic is made up of individual frames from the Star Wars movies. And they're so small, and they're so... Th th a lot of times it's the same picture over and over again. Like, they found one picture that, this, that was this exact color of brown, and they just keep using it over and over again. And it makes it... It's, Y'all, it's so hard. It is the hardest puzzle I've ever seen. I think we would, at this point, do better to flip it over upside down and do this puzzle just blind, because it is... It's, exhausting to the point where we're all slamming our heads against this puzzle, but it's not going anywhere. Uh, but th the nice thing of that is whenever somebody gets a piece, you know, because it's basically the whole department screams like Vikings and excitement that one one thousandth of this puzzle is now complete. I've never had such a long standing anxiety about cardboard until this moment. There's something powerful, though, about putting things together, right? There's something powerful about making things that were separated together. And finding where things fit is a rush of melatonin. It's a, like a mental, you know, just boost in your day. And Paul, I think, in our text in 1 Corinthians today, was surely feeling that as he was describing the church. As Paul says, just as a body is one thing made of many parts, so is the church. It is in this metaphor that Paul puts together the church. It is Paul's great puzzle as he is trying to explain how all of these different people with all of these different gifts and backgrounds can work together for the cause of Christ. Now, the church as the body of Christ is one of the most used metaphors in the church, right? We talk about the body of Christ all the time. It's hard for me to pray without mentioning the body of Christ. It is hard for us to talk about you know, just Bible study in general without talking about the body of Christ. It is hard for us to talk about ministry opportunities and what we're doing as a church without using the language of the body of Christ. 
We're familiar with this metaphor. But Paul isn't making this metaphor up. This is a common metaphor for Paul's time. Paul is using a metaphor that was common at the time to talk about people working together for a common goal. But Paul's puzzle of the body of Christ is slightly different than the status quo way of talking about a body as people working together due to one distinct piece of the puzzle, the head. In other metaphors of people as part of a body, there's always a head. There's always, it's normally the person that's making the metaphor in the first place, right? Because why would you talk about people doing things together unless you're trying to get them to do something for you, right? You all are the hands and fingers and feet and toes, and me, I'm the one that's sitting in this fancy chair and telling you where to go. I'm the one who's charting the way to how this body is going to get from one place to the other. I'm the one driving this thing. But that's not what Paul is saying. Paul's not the head. This isn't the body of Paul, but rather the body of Christ. Christ is the head, and all of us are working in our gifts as different parts of Christ's body. It's not a hierarchy, but rather an egalitarian body moving in one direction. Now, egalitarian is one of those $2 words. And it's one of those $2 words that throws people off, but it's a word that I love. It's a word that Alicia and I use to describe our relationship. Our marriage is an egalitarian one because we act in our relationship, practice in our relationship, based off of our own skills and experiences. We carry each other, cheer each other on, and lead each other as we live our lives together. Paul's discussion of the church here is in that same vein. As he says, for in the one spirit, we are all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we are all made to drink of the one spirit. Through the Holy Spirit, the body of Christ is made up of folks from all walks of life. This isn't just a difference of opinion, but it's a difference of life, a difference of culture, a difference of geography, and a difference of all experiences. The Jews or Greeks Jews or Gentiles are areas of life that were separated so geographically, so culturally, so religiously that there would be no chance of them working together of their own will or volition. It is only through the work of the Holy Spirit that they can come out changed, that they are able to work together in their giftings and carry themselves as the body of Christ. One of the strangest parts of the metaphor of the body of Christ in both Paul's time and our own is the fact that the body of Christ is separated out in countless denominations, congregations, and groups. We can talk about our little church as the body of Christ, and it's not inaccurate. We all come from diverse backgrounds. We have unique giftings, and we're working together in spite of ourselves in this region for the furtherment of the kingdom of God. But the struggle comes in understanding how we can do that together, not just as our little community, but the churches around us, the churches on the other side of town, on the other side of the world. How can we be the capital C church, the body of Christ, with folks we haven't met who speak languages we don't understand? I started this morning by telling you all of my love of puzzles, one of my favorite kinds of puzzles I don't know if you've heard of it or not, but it's called a Picross puzzle or a nonogram, which basically gives you a uh, grid with rows and columns that are marked by numbers. 
and you use the numbers as rules to tell you which squares in the grid should be colored in and which should be left blank. So basically, by the end of this, you start with just a blank grid, and at the end, you have a picture of some kind. Uh, and it's really neat because it gives you that ultimate melatonin rush, that sort of like you have little victories and at the end you have a thing. You have this almost work of art, depending on the quality of the puzzle. Um, and it's really fascinating. But I found an app on my phone to, to fill my Picross addiction recently. Uh, that when I started doing the puzzles and I finished it and I expected it to be a picture of a tree or of a snowman or something like that, like it normally is. But instead, it looked like a Rorschach test, like an inkblot test of just random stuff. And I said, are these guys just messing with me now? Is there nothing at the end of this road? This is not enticing at all. But then I backed out and realized that the puzzle that I was doing was one of a hundred little tiny puzzles. And so I did the next one, and then the next one, and then the next one, and the next one. Over the course of a week, I'm not crazy, I promise. But uh, I did that, you know, basically whenever I had a minute. And at the end, I had this huge, sprawling mosaic. Not of a hundred little dots, but a hundred times a hundred little dots that made this huge picture of a fairy tale come to life. It was beautiful. I realize now that I should have brought out a projector and shared it with you, and I'm sorry I didn't do that. But it's one of the most pertinent examples I can think of of what I'm talking about, because we're working on our little portion of the puzzle. We're working on our little section of the body of Christ. And in our little body, it is, in and of itself, a self-contained work. It is a self-contained thing, but when you put it all together, you can see the redemptive story that God is working through the church. There are other parts of the puzzle that might be miles away from us geographically, culturally, or ideologically, but they are a part of the body of Christ and the opportunity to work with folks from all walks of life is here for us. They are part of the puzzle of the kingdom of God in the world, baptized by the same Holy Spirit. We have to believe that God can work in these people and through these people and with them in the same way that God can work with us and in us and through us. Some of it might not look like much. Some of it might not look like a complete puzzle, but we have to trust that the God of the universe is going to redeem it all into something beautiful, including our messes, our poor attempts, our failures. The question then, ultimately, and the question that must determine our actions going forward as this corner of the body of Christ is where is Christ as the head leading us? Where should the feet of Christ be going? What should the hands be holding? Where should the eyes be looking? What should the ears be listening to? Luckily, the head tells us in our gospel text today. As we've been spending time as some, with some of Jesus' firsts this epiphany season, we have here the first recorded sermon of Jesus' ministry. It does say that he has preached elsewhere, but this one is special because it's at his hometown in his home church. And I don't know how many of you have had the opportunity to preach in your home church, but if I had read this story before I had done it, I would have changed my mind. 
It was Jesus is finding himself in front of his childhood synagogue, his reputation preceding him. And they ask him to read. And he asks for the scroll of Isaiah and he begins to read saying, The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. To let the oppressed go free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he closes the book. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, he says. The same spirit that Paul is writing of that allows the body of Christ to work together and to function. It's the same spirit of the Lord that Jesus is calling on that anoints his ways and his ministry. To bring good news to the poor and the downtrodden. To set the captives free. To bring sight to the blind. And to let the oppressed go. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Ultimately, this is the gospel of Christ. This is the purpose of why we're here. Why we're a part of this body. Because at one point, all of us were poor, blind, enslaved, or oppressed. And the Lord is continuing to work on us. To bring our sight to bring our freedom, and to bring the joy of the Lord. When it's all said and done, this is the work of the mosaic of the body of Christ, the redemptive work of art that God has used us for. It is in our actions that God wants to enact this year of the Lord's favor, and God will, no matter what our actions look like, but it's in trying, it's in operating in that baptism of the Spirit that will work through us, that we are able to do our part for the kingdom of God. It's in focusing in on this good news that we're able to move as the body of Christ in this world. We don't have time to focus on our differences, on our struggles, because there's so much hurt still to be reached. There are so many more poor, oppressed, blind captives, that our focus will cause our differences to melt away. Of course, I can stand up here and talk about this, but we all know this isn't easy. The church has struggled with this since Jesus' time and will continue to struggle with it. As proof of how complex this is, we only have to look a few verses after our reading in the gospel to see how the synagogue responds to Jesus. This is why I said if I'd have read this, at my first preaching, I might have questioned it. Because he stands there and starts interpreting what he read. It's easy enough to read scripture, right? But actually talking about it is kind of hard sometimes. He reminds them that in the time of the prophets, though there were many hungry in Israel, Elijah went to a widow in Sidon. Though there were many in Israel with leprosy, Elisha healed a Syrian. Just like Paul, Jesus is reminding them that their cultural distinctions, their cultural prejudices in this new kingdom, they're all coming down. They can't survive there. They're the kind of separation that has no place in the body of Christ. And then Jesus' home church, y'all, they try to throw them off a cliff. That's a, that's a punctuation on the end of this experience. I'm thankful in the fact that in my preaching career, no one has yet tried to throw me off anything. Not saying that that will always be the case, but it is the case today. I hope if anybody wants to throw me off of anything after, there's really just the river. You could kind of throw me in the stream if you want to, but it's cold. Don't do that. 
But all this just goes to show how much those separations, even from the captives, the oppressed, the poor, and the hungry, can control us, can keep us from moving, from reaching out, and from impacting the world for God the way Christ would have us to do. So we push back against those prejudices. We work together to make the table open for all because it's in helping to set the least of these free that we are made free ourselves. Let us pray.